This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening to season two. Today's guest is Dr. Monique Carroll. Dr. Carroll is the athletic director at Houston Tillotson. We talked to her today about seeking out mentors, about her journey and all the hats that she's had to wear, and how transferring is not always bad, and also to use your voice. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, doctor. Thanks for having me, Mike. Dr. Carroll, I, I do appreciate you coming on and, and you taking the time and making the time to be on with us. And I uh, just look forward to hearing your perspective on athletics, uh, sports in general, and kind of how you, uh, you know, navigate through that space, seeing as that you're an athletic director. And uh, just, you know, want to hear, hear, hear what you have to say. It's very important to hear your perspective, every guest's perspective. So I want to start off with asking, how are you introduced to athletics? Uh, so was introduced to sports at a very, very young age, uh, playing soccer, uh, softball. Uh, my dad was my coach at one point in time. Uh, through that, had opportunity to uh, be, become a Division One college athlete uh, at HBCU. Um, and through then, that's when I was introduced to more of the administrative side of athletics. Uh, to be honest, I, at that time, I thought you had to coach. Yeah. And then one day after after you, you know, well done and good as a coach, then you could move on to administration. Wow. And it was there in college when I found out that that wasn't necessarily the only career path. Yeah. And um, I was exposed to the, all of the different careers uh, that make up an intercollegiate athletic department. That's fantastic. Now, you growing up there in New Boston, Texas, as a, as a, uh, a Texan as well, myself, I think to myself, where do you where do you look to learn all these different paths like you're talking about? Like, how do we educate our kids and our college students on uh, giving them the whole menu, if you will? Like to say, hey, look, once you're done playing sports, doesn't mean it's over with athletics. As far as athletics is concerned, like you can still be of service and still be in the game uh, somehow in some capacity. And to have that full menu is always a good thing. So. I, I'm glad to hear you. You found that out at a, at a at a younger age, and you know they weren't toiling. In other words, because that happens a lot with a lot of young athletes, uh, former athletes, that that just kind of say, "Well, I can't go pro, or I'm, I was injured, or and I still." They itch for the game. They itch for the competition. Yet they still don't know how to be a part of it because there's not enough people in their uh, their camp to kind of give them that. So that's great, Coach. I'm I'm so I'm happy to hear that. Now. Uh, who, you know, you talked about kind of being influenced as far as getting into athletic administration. And uh, so who kind of, in, this, was there anybody in your life that kind of just kind of helped you kind of walk through that and, and look at that and say, see what it looked like? So, you know, I had many, many people uh, along the road, and, I, and I'll and i say uh, positions for the sake of, I, if I start name drop, I know I'll leave somebody out because <laughs> there have been so, so many people. Yeah. Uh, but, but one of the things, you know, playing sports, I got an opportunity to go to Langston and run track. And that's where I ran into what I would call uh, one of my first mentors uh, outside of high school. And um, me and my track coach, and I was there for a year, still talk. That's when I first started getting the exposure 
uh, to sports information, to different things he was doing while he was also our coach. Um, when I when I got to University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, my volleyball coach, my head coach, uh, was a great mentor. She was involved in administration as well as a coach. And uh, by me being the gym rat hanging out in her office, I know sometimes she probably wanted me to leave, <laughs> uh, but uh, was able to just soak up things just by being in the atmosphere. And then when I left there, uh, my first uh, two losses when I was at the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference office uh, were instrumental. And even uh, one of the bosses I had there hired me two times after that. Wow. Um, so, so having those relationships, having those people um, that you can pick up the phone and call and, you know, say, hey, you know, I know you've done it. How do you navigate this? Uh, one of the things I think in athletics, we don't uh, rely on each other sometimes as much yeah. as we could because none of this is new, uh, either whether it's coaching. Uh, somebody else has ran into the same problem, the same situation, uh, whether it's on the coaching side, the sports side, the business side, and can give you at least some insight on how to navigate it. So uh, my mentors uh, have been very, very important. Been, I participate in mentoring programs and have been matched with mentors, and everybody I've ran into along the way has helped me in some way to be better. Awesome. That's great to hear, Coach, because that's, I think, for the listener that says, I want to get into administration, I want to get into uh, you know, like you said, a sports information director, how, whatever that looks like for them, whatever they aspire to do, uh, they need to know there are people there to help if they just look and they ask and not be so shy if you will at times and just, you know, be willing to open up so other people will open up. Now, you know, the, the one thing I do want to talk to you about too, is you're playing your, your athletic career in particular. And as far as like, what kind of, you mean, I'm, I'm looking at some, 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 uh, some things here that, you know, made you a phenomenal athlete. And we're talking like setting records at Pine Bluff and, and doing stuff like that with track and field and even bowling. You were a bowler too. I mean, what kind of, yeah, what kind of, what kind of experience was that? You know, cause you're, you're going, you're, you're going from HBCU to HBCU. And what, what does that look like for an athlete in that uh, space right there? As far as for you, what did that look like for you? Well, I'll say it started at high school, and one thing is it's a widely debated uh, topic, as, as I, I know you know. I played four sports yeah. uh, in high school. Um, now, you know, the, it's, do you play multiple sports or do you specialize? Yeah. Uh, I played volleyball, basketball, participated in track and field, and also played tennis in high school. Wow. Uh, so I was I was glad I had those opportunities to, to be a well-rounded athlete. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved volleyball. Yeah. However, during, during my recruitment process, track and field uh, was where I had the better opportunity to go to college and get a scholarship. Uh, yeah. So that's how I got to Langston University. I had a great time. I won the conference for the first time in 20, 30 years. Wow. Uh, was was able to uh, win, you know, break five school records during my freshman year there. Uh, was great. Uh, became, and, you know, everybody always says, well, if it was so great, why'd you leave? Uh, they didn't have volleyball. Uh, and while I was uh, proficient in track and field, volleyball was something I was more passionate about. Yeah. So I uh, got a chance to go to Arkansas Pine Bluff. I walked on the team there, got a chance to play volleyball, got with the track coach, had a chance to compete in track and field. And then my volleyball coach was also the bowling coach. And uh, wow. it was a time they were they were looking for people to uh, join the roster. And me being that, that four-sport athlete that always wants to stay busy and be involved in something, 
you know, hey, let, let me try to see if this is something I could master. I won't say I've quite mastered it, uh, but I have learned some valuable life skills, yeah. um, you know, and, and was able to meet people and connections along the way through bowling that I wouldn't have met through a volleyball or a track and field experience. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it was great. Ain't that something? We're talk, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, kind of the diversity of some of your coaches. Like, they didn't just wear one hat. And I think at smaller schools, HBCUs in particular, NAIAs, uh, a lot of coaches are doing multiple things. They wear different hats and, you know, just makes you more well-rounded as an administrator, as a leader, and then your sphere of influence grows. And, and I think even when you're talking about your participation in bowling, all of a sudden your friendship group kind of blossomed as well, too. Like you said, you would otherwise wouldn't have uh, connected with those people. So, you know, it sounds kind of like every every step of the way was about people. It was about your experience. And, and that's great, Coach, because my next question is, is kind of based on that as far as your past experiences at, you know, South Carolina State, Prairie Review, and your time with the, with the SWAC office and, and Pine Bluff as well. And uh in langston what did those past experiences uh how did they help you and how they serve you moving forward i mean they they, they shaped me to be who i am today one of the things you know i look at even you know when we have student athletes that want to transfer in or out uh, i can speak intelligently on that because i've been a college student athlete that decided to transfer yeah. uh, know all the all of the things that are involved in the process and one of the things you know that i've realized it's not always bad i don't my yeah. experience was not a, a bad reason I had a great time. People look and say, well, why would you leave? It was just something, you know, I wanted to follow my passion. So I always framed that. That's probably one of the uh, biggest, you know, things, just having all of those different experiences, uh, what, what I call your toolbox and your toolkit, allow you, when you run into the situation with another young person or someone going through, uh, you're able to draw on all of those many different experiences, all those relationships with people, and say, hey, this is, this is how I navigated a similar situation. Uh, you know, kind of, and, and go have that back and forth dialogue with them. So, I mean, they, they, those experiences were instrumental in shaping who I am today. That's fantastic. Those, you know, we always look at where we're at and, and sometimes we get so caught up in the now and in the future that we forget about where we came from and how that helped us. And then I think it's always just, it behooves us to kind of go back and, and reflect on, you know, who got me here? How did I get here? Was it all just a blur? I mean, you know, kind of one of those deals where, you know, you want to you want to go back to to the uh, humble beginnings, if you will, as well, to remember, hey, how did you know? I'm so happy to be here. Brings gratitude and all that. So that's great, Coach um, Dr. Carroll. I'm sorry, I'm used to. Oh, you know, you're good. Coach, used hey, to, I'm used to it. No, okay. I'm used to okay. it. Good. Okay, we'll yeah, go we with. <laughs> yeah. We'll go to. We'll go for it. Then. Now, you know, there at Houston Tulston. I, I always get it, you know, it's always hard to pronounce for me. I don't know what it is, but at HTU, what's your vision for the athletic department? And then how do you think that'll benefit the community as a whole? So one, one of the things, you know, I talk about and, um, you know, with, with my staff is the five E's. It was something when I interviewed for the position, it was something I was very passionate about. Uh, even now being in the position, uh, I see the opportunity for the vision to really grow. And it, it's the five E's, embrace, energize, elevate, efficiency, and effectiveness. So my goal is just to embrace our current traditions and the university history, energize the community and the fans and all our efforts. And I think that's where that big 
uh, community piece comes in because they are going to be the energy behind everything uh, that the athletic department is going to do and the university. And then I want to elevate our academic success and, of course, the success on the court, and then just be efficient and effective uh, while we're building that culture. So uh, HT is great. Uh, Houston Tillerson, um, you know, I know a lot of people <laughs> struggle with it. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the, the next type of question is, and so y'all not in Houston? No, uh, we're in Austin. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's just a phenomenal institution with a great history. So um, this the whole COVID-19 situation has been, uh, for me, being a very uh, social person, socialite, ready to hit the ground running as an athletic director uh, and start really building these relationships has, has kind of put those um, somewhat um, at, a, at a slower pace than I would like. But I'm definitely uh, looking forward to energizing the HT community, the alums, the fans, the student-athletes um, to really um, just bring this thing to the next level because it's already a very uh, solid program but just uh, to keep elevating. Fantastic. I appreciate everything you're saying because you've got a plan and it's all, you know, it's all surrounded. You know, I always think of this. We're in the people business, right? Because we deal with people like you're talking about not being able to be social. The 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 physical distancing helps us not to be as social, uh, but the social the social interaction can still be there. Interaction can still be there. But I like what you're talking about, the energizing the community, because I think uh, in a town like Austin, there's plenty of people to, to, to have interest and to be a part of something and in the surrounding areas as well. I mean, you, I think every administrator who's looking to do the same thing and listening right now has to look at how can the community get involved more and more and more? Uh, how can we do our part to get them interested and like you said, energized? I think that's great because uh, that's, that's really what, you know, the, the results the uh, to deliver for the fans and for the community and for the alumni, uh, that's all important because they want to they want to be there to cheer for something as well. And so I think you've got the right the right idea, and I'm sure you know that. I don't have to tell you that, but it's just it just sounds like that's the right move. Now, I would ask you because you're talking about opportunity to get out there and really make a name for HT, and I want you to kind of tell me because i know family is everything for me uh things are oriented around our family sometimes the decisions we make where we work all that so what does this opportunity mean to both you and your family oh just, just everything i think uh this has been uh i've been fortunate like i said with the mentors i've had i've, I've known what i wanted to do for a very long time and uh, to be an athletic director, and not, not just, and I always say this when I get a chance, not just to be an athletic director, but at a historically black college and university, because that is where my passion lies. Yeah. I mean, that, that really means everything to me to be able to live out my purpose, uh, helping people, how people help me along the way. I mean, it's, it's really everything. And, and my family, um, it's big sports family, you know, everybody, it seems like, you know, everyone I surround myself with is big into sports. Um, so no matter where I am, they, they change the shirts from this university to that university um, yeah. and, and, and cheer with them right along the way. Um, so it, it's really, I'm blessed to be, to have the opportunity and my family is, is right along there, right along on the journey with me. Fantastic. I like what you said there. Uh, you take a lot of pride in, in, in being part of HBCUs, right? Cause that's your passion. And I think that just, Definitely. that goes back to like on, tw you know, the Twitter verses is, is amazing. What you see, what you read on there. Right. 
because I mean, right. anybody has a voice on there if you're following them. Nobody's following them, and then yeah, some people don't have a voice at all. But you know, I I hear I see a lot, and I hear a lot too in, in the different gyms I'm at. That well, why don't why don't these kids commit to the high level kids commit to HBCUs and you know, I mean, I'm thinking, well, then why aren't you working at one? You know what I mean? Like, it starts with you. If you have a, you have a problem with people, you know, kids not committing to it, well, then you as an adult should commit to it. That's what I think. Maybe I'm on a soapbox, but when I hear... Oh, no, oh, no. You, look, you, you de- you're definitely right. I think, um, and, and commitment, you know, I, I look at it several ways because obviously everyone in the country uh, can't go to HBCU. Yeah. Uh, but are, are you supporting them? Are you being a champion for HBCUs? When you get the chance to say something positive, are you taking that route or are you taking another route? So yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there are not enough jobs for everyone, just like, you know, the recent debate about athletes choosing HBCUs. If every black high school student athlete chose HBCU, there is not enough roster space for yeah. that dynamic to happen. Um, yeah. so, so looking at it from a very religious standpoint, you may not be able to choose, but can you still be a champion? You know, I look at what some of the NBA players are doing, uh, Chris Paul documentary yeah. on HBCUs, different things like that that are coming down the pipe. Now, he didn't go to HBCU, but he has used his influence to be a champion. So I think um, as long as you're within that sphere of influence, uh, it, it's going to work out. So, But I definitely agree. You have to put what they say, put your money where your mouth For is. For sure. For sure. Yeah. You can talk that talk, but if you don't walk that walk, nobody's going to listen. And, exactly. And that's kind of just the way it is. And so uh, I would ask you, because you talked earlier about mentorship and how that impacted your whole career and in, in, in your life as well. How do you look to help and empower others to have the same opportunities you've had? You know, one, one of the, um, and, and people say it, but this is nothing, just to just keep reiterating it to young people that want to be an athletic, reach out. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, um, you know, anybody that has reached me, I will respond. Uh, you know, it may not be the next hour, uh, but I will try to respond. I do my best. I take that seriously. Uh, and if you want to have a conversation with me, hey, be proactive. Hey, I just want to talk to you about 15 minutes about this. If you reach out, I'm going to reach back. We may have one conversation for 15 minutes, or we may stay in touch for 15 years. It can go either way, but any way I can help, I try to help. And I think a lot of times, uh, and this was myself too, young, coming up in the business, you think people are too busy, you think people don't want to help, and then you really realize anybody that you reach out to, they want to pull the next person forward. You know, uh, I'm part, uh, part of an organization that says lift as you rise. You know, you yeah. want to reach back and get that person because somebody helped you get there. Yeah. Um, so mentorship is, is critical. That's the only way we continue uh, the pipeline of successful, creative individuals coming forward. That, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, and I couldn't emphasize it anymore how critical it is for people to help people and to bring them along. Uh, Cause usually the way it goes is the mentee sets the parameters sometimes of where the mentorship's going. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it behooves them and it's on their, their, their plate or the balls in their court to kind of seek out the, the, the guidance and the opportunities as well. I mean, so I think that's really kind of one of the, the keys to it is not just, there's a there's plenty of people who are available, you know. Hey, they give you access, uh, but uh, what are you going to do with that access? And are you going to stay committed to the mentorship? That I think that there's two sides of it. So that's 
that's really that's really good, Coach. What you're saying about how critical it is because it really is, uh, and and then the perception too, kind of to dispel that myth always that everybody's too busy. They there there's no way they'd help you out. Like you said, reach out. And so if anybody out there is listening, reach out. Don't hesitate. I mean, you you do you you're not in contact with them already, and if they don't respond, nothing lost. I mean, you just kind of move along. Uh, and, and, and one one interesting story that, that I'll share about that reaching out, uh, David Williams, the late athletic director uh, at Vanderbilt, uh, was one of the first African-American males to, um, you know, be in his position, do the things he was doing, uh, reached out to him. I was surprised two days later, contact my assistant and get on my schedule. Wow. Two days after that, we had a conversation uh, just about higher ed, you know, I was finishing my degree, higher ed, the influence on sports, uh, being in the classroom, it was more focused on those aspects, but he, he reiterated it to me. I'm available to anyone that reaches out, but people just have to make that first step. And so, uh, you know, he's passed now, but I look back at that. If I had not reached out, I would have missed the opportunity to get very critical information um, that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So this is one example of many of just don't be afraid to reach out. Coaches, you know, administrators, everybody, don't be afraid to reach out. Thank you for sharing that. that that's, uh, I think it's refreshing to hear, and I think some, so here again, some of our listeners that have those aspirations can get kind of a fire underneath them to do the same. So that's it. I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, this question revolves around kind of where we're at right now in society and given the current state of like civil unrest. I mean, things are crazy. The pandemic, uh, almost chaotic at times. Uh, what do you value most during this time right now? You know, I, I would say from a holistic standpoint, just I, I value being around people um, that are really taking the right perspective on this, um, and especially in college sports, uh, especially sitting in the seat that I am in. Um, you can look at things and you can say, you know, well, what is going to be the impact of this? And I, I am blessed to be at a university uh, under a president, under a vice president, uh, surrounded by coaching staff, family, friends, everyone that really sees this is a health and safety uh, you know, this is not an economic crisis. This right. is a health and safety crisis that we're going through. And to me, anyone that can fully, truly understand that, um, you know, has that. Then, you know, also on the flip side with, with all of the uh, social justice things going on, uh, being around people that can say, this is this is not okay, this, these are problems, and understanding that sometimes you don't have all the words, uh, yeah. You don't have all. You don't have the solutions, uh, but you do have a voice, and yeah. it's important to to magnify and use that voice uh, to make sure that those around you know where you stand, you know, on the issues, and just to make sure that you know it's one thing on top of another. COVID nineteen, all all the the spotlight on because racism is not new, but the spotlight yeah. on it um, within this time right now. And, and it's because everyone's sitting at home. People aren't at work. People aren't watching sports. People are able to sit at home and watch things unfold. Uh, that's a lot to take in. So I, what I value most is just being around people that are putting themselves first, putting their family and friends first, our student athletes first, and, and really just trying to navigate this thing the best way that we can. Wonderful. I like what you said. Use your voice. Uh, yes. and, and I think when in these, there's some things that don't, aren't, aren't up for debate, like racism's bad, you know, bigotry's bad, treating people different because how they look is bad. Like 
that's not up for debate. Nobody needs to tell us that's right, that's wrong. Like, you, there's just certain things that I don't think need to be explained yet. It seems like there's still some people who don't get it. And that's exactly. that's kind of the whole unfortunate uh, part is just like, wow, I, I thought we figured this out already. And uh, not necessarily to the point where it was completely going to be done away with, but at least to the point where the talking heads, I just don't believe in putting cameras and mics in front of everybody and letting them speak uh, because sometimes it does more harm than good. And uh, even though we're kind of looking to some people for leadership and, and guidance, uh, you know, sometimes we're not, I don't know. It just seems like some people just, they still don't get it. But like, I, I like what you said, use your voice. And uh, exactly. that, that's, that's big. You can't stay silent. And, and that's on exactly. that. And then that is, that goes across the board. I, I don't, I don't care what ethnicity you are, uh, what your background is. Uh, when you, when you're, I don't know, when the spotlight's on you to say something, whether it's a casual conversation, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's a lecture whatever, uh, you should probably speak up and, and, you know, say what, not just say what you feel, say what you know is right. Uh, and, and, and you have to, one, one of the things I look at, Mike, is, you know, some people will, you know, they, they may not feel their voice is fully developed. Use it yeah. anyway. Yeah. And and your voice can be several things. You know, it's not always social media. Yeah. You know, your, vo- your voice could be getting out in, the, in your community and doing something. Uh, you know, if there are different ways to be a part of the movement, as, you know, as everyone calls it. And so you have to find out where your voice, and it may not be your physical voice, but where can you make the most impact and, and then go from there. But I think to sit on the sidelines right now, like you said, any any ethnicity, any any race sitting on the sidelines right now uh, is just doing a disservice to the to the whole movement. So I think you have to find where you can help, where you can fit in, you know, where you can educate and, and really use your voice, use your platform as such. Yeah, no, I like what you said about movement. Uh you know, my mentality is this, like a movement lasts for so long and it's over. I think it needs to be a lifestyle because it's sustainable when you make it a lifestyle. Uh, these conversations can't end uh, once we get the justice we think is, you know, um, either going to pacify us. I hate to say it that way, but sometimes it's true because as a society, we're pacified very easily. Uh, or are we going to just here again, make it a lifestyle like this can't this is not something we can just say all right, it's solved. Like only God knows people's hearts. There's no man that can look at you and say, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. I know if you're racist, I know if you're not like, it's just a constant conversation that needs to happen across the board. And like you said, sitting on the sideline is really not an option. It shouldn't be. It is, but man, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be exactly. You're right. So I want to ask you a question now that, that kind of, you know, I, every time I have a female guest on, I always want to ask this because I feel like when we're talking about here again, the the climate of our society and where we're at, I, I ask this question, do you feel women receive the respect that they're due in the profession? You know, I, I would say, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at all the things, no, okay. uh, it, it, it's a simple answer. Yeah. Um, you know, at the same time, there are things that are in place to uh, improve and increase the pipeline of organizations, uh, people that have really got behind championing women in this field. You know, I was reading a report uh, came out a few weeks ago on the performance of athletic directors, and it was interesting to see that female athletic directors from the performance indicators, just one group created 
uh, they were outperforming their male counterparts. Wow. And, you know, it was one of those things like, wow, if everybody had this in their hands, yeah. you know, could we be better? Yeah. Uh, but understand, you know, everybody can't be an athletic director. Everybody's not going to be a head coach. But are we at least given opportunities, you know, for assistant athletic directors, for assistant coaches, directors, coordinators, um, you know, somewhere within the pipeline to uh, really give people the chance to uh, use their talents and give us their talents. So, you know, overall, I definitely say no. I don't think that's a thing. Uh, yeah. People tend to hire people that look like them, think like them. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's terrible. Uh, because then you're sitting in the staff meeting and you have an idea and everybody nods their head yes and nobody wants to say, well, have you thought this out or uh, what about this? Yeah. Uh, you know, you want that you want that diversity of thought. You know, yeah. I know people sometimes look at diversity, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, all these different things. But you also want diversity of thought on your team. Otherwise, how can you really challenge the status quo and get better? But uh, I think things are improving and then they slow down. Uh, they improve again for women in the industry, then they slow down. Uh, but but I think more the more and more people can uh, just highlight women that are doing a very great job in the industry, uh, you know, there's more opportunities for people to see um, that you can take a chance and you can hire a female athletic director. You can hire a black female athletic director and have success with your program. So uh, there are several people came before me that are out there doing it. Uh, and I would say without them, I may not have the opportunity to sit in the seat I'm in now. So yeah. um, that's great. No, I, I here again challenging the status quo and, and sometimes uh, question not questioning authority to be to be a, a numbskull, but questioning authority like you're saying it diversifies the questioning. Like it's not a bunch of yes men or yes women. It's a, it's like sometimes we don't necessarily challenge authority in the sense that we want to buck up to them here again be a knucklehead, but. You know, say, look, we need to see this from multiple perspectives. And if you have the same, what is it, you know, homogeneous like setup where everybody looks the same, acts the same, thinks the same, you're really not going to be effective, I think. And I think that's, and, and, that's go ahead. No, I was saying, I, I look at some of the, the college athletes that are speaking out now, and, and, I, and I wonder, you know, sometimes I say, maybe I'll do some research on this one day. You know, what, how many black administrators are they surrounded by to help them navigate? Yeah. yeah. Um, could, could some of these situations, um, maybe, and not avoided is not the term, but could they have manifested in a different way mm -hmm. had they had someone, you know, African-American on the staff that was really hearing these athletes and was able to go into the meeting and say, hey, guys, the athletes need this. This is what we really need to do. And then those people hear them and take them seriously before, you know, you, you have a big glow up within the department. So, so I always look at that, you know, I go, you know, go down staff directory and say, you know, wow, who was really you know in touch with these athletes, who was mentoring them along the way. Uh, and then not just having that token person that's over diversity and inclusion, but having someone that, that has a voice uh, that yeah. really has a seat at the table, not because it looks good on paper, but because you really respect and value what they can bring to the organization. So, you know, that's something that as everything continues to unfold is something I have my eyes on, but um, it's, it's really that diversity is critical. Wow. You, you know, you use the word token, man. That's, that's a, you know, that's a hot word when you talk about diversity. And I think that's something that everybody's got to look at, you know, kind of uh, it, with, with, with your programs, with institutions, everybody's got to kind of like reflect and then figure out, are we getting the best person for the job? Are we, are we taking, you know, going off a of principle alone, 
not friendships, not camaraderie, which that's, there's, there's something to say about that. People you trust, you know them, right? I get that. However, you know, you got to get the right person for the job. And who cares whether they look like you, think like you, walk like you, talk like you. If that's the person, that's the person. And you don't know what you're missing out on if you, you know, it's like, I, I liken it to like, like I hear people say, well, we were meant for each other. No, you had to choose somebody. You don't just like walk outside, exactly. walk outside your house and then bump into somebody like you're the one. Right. And then that's what right. like you, you got And then you got to live with that choice too. So those are the things that I think are really important is just making the right choices. And, and everything you're saying is just holding so much weight. And I'm glad you're, you're speaking the truth. Now, uh, I want you to, to just take a moment and just encourage our female listeners who have aspirations of going into athletics and just, you know, here again, I see people give up because they're not encouraged. I see people quit right at the finish line because they don't hear testimonials of what's really happening out there. And, and like you've done already, uh, I, I just appreciate it so much. Now, could, could you just take a moment to, to do that for us? You know, I, I would I would tell anyone young that's aspiring to be in this business, listen, whether it's on the coaching side or the administrative side, get connected, get connected, get connected. Uh, you cannot be afraid to reach out and get connected. Uh, I say this all the time. Somebody may call me about a job or a position they have open and say, hey, do you know anybody? So it's not always my position. It may be another, someone that I'm, one of my colleagues has a position open, and now I can recommend someone. But there have been times, and, and I'm working on that to increase, you know, my reach where I don't have anyone to recommend. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you know what, well, I just don't have anybody, you know, within my network that that's doing that. Uh, I would also say, you know, don't be afraid to take a risk. First position I had was a volunteer position. The next position was a, a internship position. It was paid. Thank God. Uh, but I had to up, uproot to a new city. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had to, had to get a roommate, had to do the, make sacrifices on the planning. And, and I say because of that, since then, never had to ask for, for a title, for a promotion uh, when I've been at an organization because people have been able to see it. Yeah. I think sometimes young people get caught up on, you know, you know, I, got, I have to pay the bills, which is a very, very realistic thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, but, you know, think, think of the long-term gain. And think of, you know, how can this one sacrifice today, you know, go, go intern with the athletic department for six months. Everything's virtual now. Yeah. People that are online in the fall, see if they need a virtual intern. That, that costs you nothing. You don't have to approve, move. Be an intern six months. The network you build with that person alone uh, can propel you to different heights in your career. So I would just sort of get connected, stay connected, and uh, just don't be afraid to keep reaching out. People waiting for them. Fantastic. I appreciate that. Uh, I, here again, they're hearing it from, from the, the, you know, from an athletic director, not hearing it from me, the talking guy, they're hearing it from you. And so I hope that pays, uh, that people are paying attention to that because that there's something to be said for your insight and your wisdom. Now I want to ask you specifically you yourself as a person, Dr. Carroll, why do you do what you do? To make an impact, um, I, I have been able to, what I call sit in my purpose uh, through sports, and I hope to use sports as an avenue uh, for others to realize their true potential, for them to get a degree where they otherwise would not have been in a position to get a degree, where they may be the first in their family or one of few in their family to have this degree, where they're able to go back now and make a positive impact on their community 
But when I see that I'm able to have that kind of impact where they leave college understanding financial literacy, where they leave college understanding that, yes, force is over, but it's a whole world waiting for me out there. Yeah. Or they leave and say, hey, you know, I can go overseas and play sports because I want to continue, but I have my degree in case that doesn't work out. And yeah. so, you know, just to have that impact, that that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what uh, keeps me up at night. Um, it's, it's just to make sure um, that the same resources that were provided for me to be where I am, I'm providing those same resources to the student athletes that I serve. And then really the students on campus, anybody I come in contact with, you know, take them under my wing. You know, you know, as an athletic director, I say, hey, you know, I got 200 kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sleeping yeah. with my phone beside me because anything can happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coaches, I call them like the aunts and uncles, you know, they, they may call, <laughs> they, 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 you know, uh, but but it's really a family and to to live out that, that that's that's my why, to, to make that impact on the next generation uh, that I know is going to be able to do great things, uh, but help guide them through this part of life, which can be difficult. Being in college is difficult. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I said, it it's one of those things that depending on, you know, uh, where I come from here in San Antonio, uh, you have socioeconomic things, you have family crisis, you've got sometimes even health issues within the family that, you know, they cut you short of your ultimate goal and your dream. But when you have somebody there to help you along the way, like you're talking about, even if they're not athletes, to, like you said, take them under your wing and, and guide them and encourage them, that, that goes a long way. I mean, it really does, because you're talking about maybe a lot of first-generation college kids, too, that their families weren't able to achieve, parents weren't able to achieve what they're about to achieve, and they just need that encouragement, that little push, that little, and sometimes, you know, redirection. Uh, somebody who's been there before can tell them how to do it and what what they could possibly do. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I love everything you're saying, because it's... Uh, it's really a reason why you want to work with young people and people in general is to have an impact. So that's great. Now you talked a little bit earlier about kind of sacrificing. And so I want to ask you, what have you sacrificed or even invested to be where you're at today? Uh, well, you know, like I kind of talked about, you know, taking that job that may not have been the most lucrative job and, and have to do things like that. Obviously that's, that's one level. Um, you know, anytime, if you talk to anyone in athletics, uh, family. I mean, yeah. you, you know, I, I look at a, a very specific example. Um, I was opening a football stadium at a university and was, we were going through the construction, opening, planning, operational phases of that, me, opening a, in a new season. Meanwhile, my brother's playing his senior year of college football an hour and a half away. Wow. And making those sacrifices, but then also, you know, being a good team member where you have a great team where you can leave them on game day for football yeah. and say, hey, I'm trusting you all. I got to get to my brother's game. You know, this is his senior night. This is his time. So you, you make those sacrifices for your family. One of the things people say, work-life balance. Uh, I call it more work-life integration. I think that's the best term um, to call it, uh, you know, what people are calling it now because you bring your family to the games <laughs> so they can kind of be with you and you can still get that time um, as opposed to uh, you know, them always just missing out and you missing out on things going on. So I think, yeah. um, and even educational achievements, you know, I've, I've, it took me seven years to complete my doctorate degree. Um, you know, that, that was working. Had I not been working in college athletics and putting a lot of energy and attention into that, I maybe could have finished sooner. 
Um, you know, when I talk to my colleagues, they just go to school and they they forego the job part for that long. Um, but but it's all worth it in the end. I think that's why knowing your why is very very important because if you don't know your why, when it's time to sacrifice and make these decisions and prioritize, you know, that's why I like to come when it's time to prioritize rather than sacrifice, then you, you're always going to make the right decision because you know why you're doing it. Yeah. And the people in your circle know why you're doing it. So they know you're not just missing. They know you're out there making an impact uh, for the next person. And if you truly live like that, it shows up in your personal life. You're making an impact on the people you're around every day as well. Uh, your family, your friends. So they just see that as an expanded version. So um, just a few examples of some things that I've had to prioritize. Yeah. Uh, throughout my career. Fantastic. I like what you said, work-life integration, because that work, there's not a balance. If we be honest, if we'll be honest about it, like uh, balance is so difficult. Balancing is like, there's going to be times where the job takes all the time. And then there's going to be the moments like now with, with, you know, the pandemic happening where family's taking all the time, which is great uh, for the right. most part. That's, and then those are so rare, but yeah, work-life integration, that's uh, so key. I really, really appreciate you saying that because I, I can kind of, I can implement it to my own life. <laughs> you know, that's why, I hear, that's why I'm hearing it loud and clear. So thank you for kind of bringing that up. Now, uh, I ask you, you know, about yourself, you know, because throughout our careers in athletics or in teaching or in whatever we're doing, uh, there's things that we want to uh, impart and, like you said, impact people's lives with. Uh, but what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? I, I have learned that, that I'm a very resilient person. Um, I've learned that I have something valuable to say. Um, you know, you, you go into the meetings and, you know, one of the things a mentor told me earlier on is if you get invited to the meeting, you should say something in the meeting. Yeah. And, and then they then they clarify that because you don't want to just say something. You want to say something meaningful, something mm -hmm. helpful, something um, to move the meeting uh, in a positive direction. And I think sometimes people are afraid to, you know, to speak up, uh, to, to say what they have to say. And you're there for a reason, you know, whether yeah. you're, you're a coordinator, uh, whether you're a director, whether you're the director, you are there for a reason. And somebody thought you had something to say so you always have to keep that in your mind and i've, I've learned that over the years about, about myself is, is to say it yeah you know because chances are if there's 10 people in the room seven of them thinking the same thing nobody just wants to say it you yeah. say it now you spark a conversation now the university the organization just got better so yeah. you know i've learned that uh, i have something to say and i've learned that i'm in the process like i'm very um, i'm a very resilient person yeah, fantastic. I like what you said about being, when they invite you somewhere, I always take this approach. When I'm invited to go somewhere and I'm feeling kind of like, I'm in my feelings about where I'm at in the sense of like, well, there's so-and-so and there's so-and-so. I don't know if I actually belong here. I have to literally tell myself I belong here. Where I'm at. Well, you, you got invited just like them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if, if I'm here, it's because I belong here. And yeah, I may not, I may not be adding so much value to this meeting, but I'm here and, and I want to be heard. But like you said, it has got to be constructive and something good. Uh, but yeah, you set yourself apart that way. You go into a new, a new setting and people are kind of looking at you like you're an outsider, but now you're inside. Like, how'd you get here? Uh, once you open up your mouth, hopefully in a positive way, you're removing all doubt as to why you're there and not, you know, otherwise, as far as like, 
well, we knew we thought they we thought they were inept. Now they open their mouth, and we know. So I, I, I think that's one of those things that's just so important. And everybody listening, wherever you're invited to to be at, you belong. Always remember that. Don't don't ever think. Don't be so intimidated. Uh, and and if you are intimidated, have courage. Speak up. Now, uh, my last questions are always about legacy because you're talking about impacting lives, helping others, mentoring. Um, that's the long game. It's like, I'm not just thinking about me right now, my career. I'm thinking, you know, who and how, you know, like you said, knowing your why, because knowing your why helps you to serve the who. Uh, and so I think it's just so important now. What would you, and you still got a long ways to go in your career. So I'm not by any means saying, well, get ready uh, for the twilight of your career. But I would just say looking forward, uh, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? You know, I, I would just, you know, I almost liken it to, you know, what they what they say, you know, from a religious standpoint is, well, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, from, from, you know, from that aspect, just I want people to uh, have had the impact. You know, I look, you know, now, you know, unfortunately, people are passing away, uh, higher rate, you know, teachers, things like that. And you look at all their students coming back. Uh, everyone that they touch, and and it's just it's it's amazing, uh, you know, to see that that a person can the reach can be that expansive. So uh, that's one of the things, you know, that did I leave every place I was in, every person I touched, did I leave them better? And and if that can be the majority, you know, of of the interactions, you know, it's, it's optimistic to say we'll be all of them. <laughs> if that can be a yeah. majority of the interactions, you know, then, then I would be pleased. You know, I look at it like, you know, a Nick Saban. I'm sure, you know, sometimes he looks at his coaching tree and says, you know, okay, wow, all these people I've touched and look where, you know, look how successful most of them have been able to be. And so that, if that was the legacy I would leave behind, I would say that my work uh, was, was not in vain and make, making the place better, making the people better. Thank you so much, Dr. Carroll, for your time. I really do appreciate it. Your journey, your story. And, uh, and I look to hear more, more from you down the line, but I just do appreciate you, you spending some time with us today. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate the time, Mike. Anytime.